Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. They don't call them UFOs. The Pentagon report is detailing a dramatic increase in UFO sightings. More than 350... This morning, U.S. intelligence agencies confirm hundreds of additional UAP sightings have been reported. UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. In recent months, there has been a rather head-spinning change of rhetoric when it comes to UFOs and UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. Reputable news outlets and government officials have openly admitted that strange things are being seen in the skies, with methods of propulsion that cannot be explained, and speeds and direction changes that a human being simply could not survive. The conversation right now seems to be what is up there? But tonight, I want to share with you an account which brings the question much, much closer to home. Not what is up there, but rather what is sitting next to me on my train ride home. I'm Peter Laws, and tonight on Frightful, we give space for one eyewitness account from a woman who claimed to have terrifying encounter with the aliens on the train. And I believe one day we will know for sure. And uh, that concludes my lecture for today. Thanks so much for coming. Richard Dolan is an author and researcher with a particular focus on aliens and UFOs. Richard was giving a lecture on this topic in Iowa when a woman came up to him afterwards to talk. Um, excuse me. Oh, hello. I wondered if I might share something with you, something that happened to me. Yes, of course, go ahead. Her name was Lisa, and Dolan described her as intelligent, articulate, soft-spoken, and level-headed. And yet she had something frightening to tell him. Something so strange that happened to her that she hadn't felt able to tell people. But now that she had met someone who was open to the topic, she felt he may be willing to listen. And as the lecture hall emptied of all the other listeners, Lisa leaned in to tell Dolan of something that had happened to her that was truly frightful. Platform 2 for the 1735 to Swansea, Wales. Even though Lisa was American, the incident happened to her in the UK. She was studying over there for one semester. This was the spring of 1998. And like many British people, she would use the train system to get around from city to city. So she would travel by rail from London to Birmingham in the Midlands, but also to Swansea in Wales. And it was around the end of February to early March of that year when she boarded a train at Stratford-upon-Avon, that place is famous for being the birthplace of playwright William Shakespeare. She was headed southwest to Swansea, and as she boarded, it was around 5 or 6 p.m. Now, perhaps it would be helpful for me to describe what it's like on an English train. 
It's not quite like Hogwarts Express from Harry Potter, where there are little closed compartments with seating for just a few people. These days, English trains are more open with an aisle down the middle and sets of chairs uh, pointing sometimes in the direction of travel and sometimes away. But it also always has two chairs pointing towards another so that families or friends can sit together and chat during a journey. This was one such train. Because of the time of day, the rush hour crowd were huddling on board, filling every seat before she could get one. But she didn't want to stand all the way to Wales. That journey could potentially take about six hours, so she pushed her way through the aisle to the next carriage, hoping to find a space. Excuse me, um, is this seat taken? Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, can I just get through, please? Excuse me. Thank you. And to her delight, she noticed a couple of seats that were empty. These were in one of those sections I mentioned before for families sitting facing one another. One of these seats uh, had some bags on it, but the other one was completely empty. And so she moved down there and with a sigh of relief sat down. And as Lisa got herself settled and put her bag down, she started to notice the other people in this section. There were two women sitting and then two men standing just next to her in the aisle. Perhaps they were being English gentlemen, and that's why they hadn't taken the seats and indeed let the ladies use their empty chair for their bags. Thank you. Sitting to Lisa's left was a woman in her 50s. She was wearing a headscarf and holding a newspaper in her gloved hands. And Lisa was a friendly type. And so as the train started to get moving on their journey, she turned to this woman next to her and said... Hello. Now this woman with the headscarf had been head down reading. But now that Lisa spoke, she slowly turned, looking up from her newspaper. And their eyes met on that crowded train. And Lisa was startled. She said the woman's eyes were surprisingly large and rounded. Lisa said yes, this lady was wearing glasses, but she insisted that this was not why her eyes were so large. This wasn't just a magnification thing, it was rather her natural look. And she also noticed the colouring of this lady's eyes. They were quite unique, not green or brown or blue, but something a little different. It was hard to place. It was actually quite disconcerting in some sense. And what the woman did next did not help. The woman in the headscarf didn't say hello back. She didn't even just ignore Lisa and get back to her newspaper. Instead, she made a sound of weird curiosity about Lisa. The sound someone might make when they're walking in the woods and suddenly stumble across a dollar lying in the dirt. She went, (laughs) a kind of amused surprise. The strange woman started to chat to Lisa about nothing particularly memorable. But what really did take Lisa aback was the fact that here she was in the middle of England, and yet this woman in the headscarf spoke with a perfect American Midwestern accent, the exact same dialect that Lisa would hear back in her hometown in Iowa. That was odd. So they carried on talking. At times, the conversation would lull into silence, and so Lisa would look around, and the seat directly opposite Lisa was still empty with those bags lying in it. And so she glanced to the other seat, 
which was straight across from the strange lady with the headscarf and the large eyes. This woman had brown eyes, which frankly also had a slight bulge to them, but she looked fairly normal, or at least more so than the woman with the glasses right next to her. This woman had dark hair in curls. And so the journey continued, and Lisa kept sharing small talk with the woman in the glasses, but as she did, she started to notice something strange. The woman opposite, the one with the brown hair, she kept looking at Lisa. And then she began to lean forward. Without any concern of rudeness or eavesdropping, she just edged a little closer to blatantly listen to the conversation. And not once did she say anything or attempt to join in. It was really quite odd. The English countryside blurred past the window as the journey carried on, and Lisa just sat there in this odd scenario. And the more the moments passed, the more Lisa noticed that this dark-haired, eavesdropping woman, this listener, was sometimes moving her head and tilting it in ways that did not seem right. Now, Lisa, as an American student and tourist in the middle of Britain, couldn't just call out the odd movements of a complete stranger. And so Lisa just sat there in the carriage as the tracks rattled and rolled underneath them conscious of the strange movements of this woman's face and head. She felt awkward and watched. And so Lisa said she turned away from the brown-haired woman. And she looked over at the man who was standing in the aisle, holding on to the ceiling straps to stay steady. He was about 30 and was reading a magazine. He caught Lisa's eye and they smiled at one another. But then she looked at the other man who was in that crammed aisle, And he was bald, wearing a black leather jacket, a white t-shirt, and jeans. (laughs) Remember, this was 1998. This was before smartphones and tablets and iPads. So there wasn't really a great deal for her to do except just to sit as the journey went on, perhaps checking her watch to see how many hours of this trek she had left with this odd assortment of traveling companions with her. For some reason, her eyes kept falling on the bald man, and she would just sit there and watch him. He wasn't looking at her or anything, so it was something to pass the time. And then suddenly she noticed something very peculiar indeed. His finger. Dolan asked her what was so strange about this finger when she mentioned it, and she tried to find the right words, and the only word she could think of was this. She said, his finger was unraveling. That's the word she used. Unraveling. When he asked her what on earth she meant by that, she said it was almost like a pair of gloves uncurling after being scrunched up. Now, at this point, Dolan quite rightly commented, saying, well, surely there were just gloves after all. But she shook her head. She said, absolutely not. This was his finger, uncoiling like thread. And as she stared at this, transfixed, she started to notice the consistency of his skin. She said it looked almost silk. Again, she said it was not a silk glove. It was without doubt the man's hand. And the only way she could describe it was as if a man had pulled on a human suit over his own body. 
the same kind of look you might feel when someone puts on an expensive and realistic latex mask for Halloween, perhaps, or some sort of internet prank. It certainly looks like skin at first glance, but the more you pay attention, the more you start to get that uncanny valley sense that this, this is not skin, not at all. This is what she noticed in this man. And she was so transfixed with his hand and finger that she suddenly got a shock. Because as she looked up, she noticed that his eyes were locked on hers. Sometimes our hopes and dreams for our money can seem out of reach, but they don't have to be. Not when Chime offer a secure credit builder visa debit card that lets you build credit of your own through on-time payments and small everyday purchases like gas or groceries. Members even see their credit score increase by about 30 points on average. All this without annual fees, security deposits, or credit checks. Start making your financial dreams a reality with Chime. Signing up only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com forward slash Frightful. That's Chime.com forward slash Frightful. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank, N.A. pursuant to a license for Visa. USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Based on a study conducted by Experian, Credit Builder members observed an average 30-point FICO score 8 increase after 8 months with regular on-time payments. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Out-of-work ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at Money Pass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any or or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. That his eyes were locked on hers. Her heart began to pound. Because just like the other two women, this man had eyes that had that unusual swelling to them, that bulge, a kind of constant stare. They held each other's gaze for a moment, but thankfully the man looked away and watched the scenery slide by the window. But by then, Lisa said she was starting to feel different. Unsteady, her head was becoming heavy. That swimmy, dizzy feeling you get when you haven't got enough oxygen coming to your brain. And soon after that, she felt that sensation of nausea blooming in her stomach and her body. Something, something was very wrong here. It got so bad at one point, her lightheadedness, that she started to panic, having this sense that perhaps she had just had some sort of stroke. And yet something was so clear in her head and heart, telling her, no, what is happening to you now is not internal. It is from out there. Or rather, it is from them. Her wide-eyed trained companions who were turning to look at her even now. She knew then that she had to get out not just from this chair, but off the train completely. Because what if she just moved to another set of chairs and these people followed her? Or what if everyone on this train looked at her with those same wild eyes? But that's the thing about trains. You have to wait for the next stop. And so she sat there, holding her breath, trying to calm this sense of vertigo and nausea down. Finally, she heard the announcer on the train say that the next stop was due. Next station, stop Reading. Change at Reading for Oxford, Banbury, facing Stoke in Guildford. And as she felt the train start to slow down, she reached for her stuff and went to stand. Finally, she could get out of this cloying atmosphere. But that 
is when the bald man seemed to spring off down the aisle ahead of her. She watched as the train started to slow even more, and she could see what he was doing. He was moving towards the exit. And when he got there, he just turned and stood there, as if he was waiting for her, perhaps even challenging her to leave. She was afraid and worried. She didn't really know what else to do. She sank back into her chair to think for a moment, to get her head together. And bizarrely, as the train came to a stop, she noticed that the bald man did not come back. But he, as the doors opened, got off the train. And she looked towards the window, and she saw him out there, stepping onto the platform and walking amongst the crowd, amongst the other travellers. And she noticed then, as he was out in the bright light of day, how his clothes didn't seem to fit him very well. But that wasn't what disturbed her the most. It was the way he weaved himself through the crowd on the platform, so he could get to where their window was, where she was. And he slowed and stopped. And as people passed him by, he turned, and he stared at Lisa through the glass from outside. And the more she looked at him, the more she said his eyes seemed to change in a way that she found impossible to describe to Dolan, other than they just looked different. It was around then that Lisa looked to her left, to the woman in the headscarf, the one who spoke to her in that Iowa accent. And she was also looking out of the train window and staring at this bald man. And then she did something really strange. This woman lifted her newspaper and used it to block her face so that Lisa couldn't see it. And the woman just kept on looking at the man outside as if she was giving him some sort of signal or lip reading a message Lisa couldn't tell. It just seemed like communication. The other woman, the one with dark hair, she was also staring out at the bald man. This whole situation was so disorientating that Lisa didn't even have time to think. Before she could get up and run for the exit, she felt the train suddenly surge and shake as it moved off again on their journey. And the station and the unsettling bald man slid past the window and was gone. And that was the point when the woman with the headscarf turned again to Lisa. And she said something very, very odd. She said, We've been here many, many years. Lisa said that at first she wondered if this woman was talking about the British people in general, that this was a country with a long history. That was certainly and is true. But then remember, this woman had an American accent. So what did she mean by this? Lisa pondered it all as the journey continued and as time went on, she began to calm herself. She was certainly relieved that the bald man with the strange fingers had left the train. Not long after, the train began to approach the next station stop. And as she felt the train slowing down again, Lisa didn't even have a chance to make a decision on what to do next, because that's when something really creepy happened. The train was moving towards the stop 
when she suddenly heard a rustle of clothes. And as she looked around, at the exact same point, every single person on the train stood up. And I mean everybody. Every single person on the carriage. And then, she said, each passenger, with a crazy sense of speed and remarkable efficiency, got off the train. If you've ever been on a crowded train, you just know how chaotic it can be trying to get off. You're pushing into one another, folks are getting nudged by bags and cases, but not this time. They all filed out without any incident or contact or issue, just this shocking display of order. And it seemed that the man who had been reading the magazine next to her was acting as some sort of steward or chaperone to get these people off. A few of them, as they were leaving, turned to Lisa and smiled at her. And again, she saw that strange bulge of the eyes. Lisa was so taken by this specific detail that she made a point of telling Dolan this was the most efficient and orderly departure from a train she had ever seen. And then, before it even seemed to be possible, she was sitting on that train alone. Taken aback by all this, she leaned towards the window so she could see where all of those people had gone. And to her utter bafflement, she couldn't see them. Instead, she just saw a normal-looking platform filled with normal-looking passengers, some of which presumably began to board this very train and began to fill some of the now-empty seats. And so Lisa just sat there, going over this incident in her mind. And then she said, frankly, trying to push it from her mind as she headed back to Swansea. Hours later, her train finally pulled in to the last stop, And with a sense of relief, she stepped off that train and left the station, heading back to her student accommodation where she was staying. She unpacked and got a change of clothes, and then she went into an area known as the common room, a sort of recreational social area for students. And weirdly, she said it was only when she sat down that she started to relax, and it was at that point that the sheer gravity of the entire experience started to hit her And she became overwhelmed, asking herself the question, what happened on that train? Who were these people? She didn't know, but it was so weird and inexplicable and frightening that she kept the story mostly to herself for many, many years afterwards until she went to that lecture in Iowa and she felt that she had found at least a safe space at last to tell her story. What do we make of this mysterious and very freaky incident? It'd be so easy, wouldn't it, to dismiss this as some wild story from one individual. That might be the case. Maybe she made the whole thing up. Or perhaps she was under stress at the time, living in a country of strangers, and somehow her mind had warped this into creating some sort of psychotic episode a sort of unhooking from reality where she had the craziest train journey of her life, which would be still terrifying for her whether it was real or not. Or there's one other possibility, that it happened, and that it is happening to others too. Perhaps they just haven't found the courage or safety to tell anybody else. 
Perhaps as the public discourse becomes much more open to the idea of UFOs, as we've seen in recent years, this will give courage to those who claim to not have seen alien ships, but rather to have encountered alien beings walking amongst us. It is a bold claim, but one that might give a shiver for those who perhaps recognize elements of this case in their own lives with strangers. What do you think? Are you listening to this on public transport right now? Or in a cafe or out in the street? Are there strangers nearby? Maybe you ought to avoid catching their eyes. Or perhaps you're at home or inside at least thinking you're alone. But who's to say there isn't somebody staring through your window right now? Looking for you with bulging eyes and a finger slowly unraveling in no other direction but yours. I'm Peter Laws and you've been listening to Frightful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.